0: This morning my son crawled out of bed before he was supposed to and when I found him in the living room first thing he did he goes Rawr, <laughs> "Is that good morning Liam?" And uh, we've been having this series going on the last couple weeks called Den of Lions. And it's all about the story of Daniel in the Bible. Daniel is a book. uh, It's part of the prophets. And it comes after the book of Psalms and Proverbs, after Isaiah and Jeremiah. And it's right there after Ezekiel, this story about a guy and three of his friends that we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that went through all kinds of difficult situations because they were captive in a godless country, a godless empire. Babylon had taken over the world. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of the world. He was the top of the top, and Israel was in exile, so now all nations, all races, all tongues, all languages had come under Babylon. And uh, Babylon had a different set of rules, convictions. They had uh, uh, their own way of doing things. They didn't believe in God. They didn't believe in the God that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego followed. And so they had their own idols and their way of doing things. But last week, we learned that Daniel and his friends lived with a different diet and that their convictions were not shaped by their conditions, but rather their convictions shaped their conditions. The culture didn't shape their convictions. Their convictions changed the culture. They were guys that did life together. They sharpened each other. They realized that your crew determines your view. Let's say that together. Your crew determines your view. In other words, whoever you hang out with and do life with and listen to, they're gonna shape your view on life. They're gonna take you to where you end up in life. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Daniel and his friends, they lived with a different conviction in their heart and they changed the king. They changed the culture. But here we get to Daniel chapter three, and this is the story we're gonna camp out on today. And it says in verse one, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue, 90 feet tall, nine feet wide, and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Imagine the king crafting this idol. He's got all of his subjects, his, his employees, and they're building this 90-foot tall idol. I mean, the ceiling in this room is probably 50 to 60 feet tall, maybe. That's my guess. And 90 feet tall. This is like twice the ceiling in this room. And nine feet wide, this statue is huge. He sets it up in the plain of Durham. And I wonder what your plane of Dura is today. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's the company you work at. Maybe it's the campus or the university you're in, the school you go to. But there are idols being crafted and set up where we live, where we work, the nation that we live in, laws being passed saying, you must bow down to this. There was a quote from an old mayor in Dallas, Texas, who now has passed away. And when he was the mayor of Dallas, he used to gather all the coaches, teachers, business leaders CEOs and all types of leaders in the city and he was known for saying this quote he said you get what you tolerate he would teach this to the leaders you get what you tolerate what you see today in our culture is a result of what we tolerated yesterday because whatever you tolerate continues to grow the habits that you have today are a result of the habits you tolerated yesterday those addictions, whatever you put up with and say, I'm just going to live with this. I'm going to let this slide. I'm going to allow this to happen. Whatever you tolerate continues to grow in your life. He used to challenge coaches. Don't tolerate bad attitudes in practices, basketball, football, because what you tolerate there is going to go into the workplace and into their marriage one day. Those teenagers, they become grown men. Those children in your house, it's not supposed to be a CEO children's house that runs the house, that tells the parents what to do. Whatever you tolerate is what you receive later on in life. We're learning this with our children, Ashley and I, learning how to teach Liam not to talk back to his mama, not to talk back to his daddy, teaching him to respect us. Because when you tolerate disrespect, it grows. And what we have today in our country and in our world is a result of what we've tolerated over the last years. So here in this country, Tolerance was shifting. Tolerance used to mean we can agree to disagree. You can have your views, I can have mine, and we can still get along as friends even if we don't agree. But today, in our culture, in, in Babylon culture, this was happening, tolerance is being redefined. Now you have to embrace what I think is true. You have to embrace my lifestyle, and if you don't, you are intolerant. If you don't think I can do what I wanna do and you're 100% okay with it, if you're not 100% okay, you're intolerant. I wonder if Jesus was to be interviewed on CNN today or Fox News or MSNBC or ABC, name the channel, and they were to ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you think about some of these issues? And Jesus was to say, well, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way to the Father except through me. I wonder if they would say, intolerance. You're supposed to agree with everybody else's beliefs and lifestyles. And what we've forgotten is that we can love one another, even if we don't agree on every single thing that we are, are thinking, right? I mean, this is what mature tolerance is supposed to look like. But our country is trying to redefine it. And in Babylon, they were trying to do it, too. They weren't trying to outlaw Christianity. They said, you can have your little beliefs over there, but you better bow down to our beliefs, too. You can talk to your God in private, but when you're out here in public, you better bow down to this statue that we've set up. So this is what the king was demanding, and he sent his messengers in verse two to gather all the leaders, all the magistrates. And verse three, he said, I want you to get everybody together for the dedication of my statue. This was King Nebuchadnezzar. He was having a dedication service. And in verse four, a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations, 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 and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. (laughs) I grew up where we had different voices for each different person in the Bible. We, like we would switch, you know, who's gonna impersonate that voice? And so bear with me on this. This herald was speaking on behalf of the king. He said, if you don't bow down to this idol, you're going into the blazing furnace. Things are heating up in Babylon. And things are heating up in America. Things are heating up in your workplace. Things are heating up in your family. Will you bow Or will you stand? You've got to know when to bow and who to bow to. Because if you don't, you'll bow to anything and everything. Oswald Chambers said, the amazing thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. But when you don't fear God, you fear everything else. It could be that the majority of the people that would bow in this moment wasn't that they loved the idol, but it was that they were afraid to lose their life they were afraid to be thrown into the furnace. So many people today compromise their convictions because they're afraid to lose their job, afraid to lose the company car, afraid to lose that tax exempt status, afraid to lose The popularity, afraid to lose what their friends might think about them if they come out and say, I'm a born again, spirit filled Bible believing Christian that loves everybody. And I'm going to worship Jesus wherever I'm at. And I'm going to pray whether I'm on the football field, in the baseball stadium, in my workplace or in my home. See I wonder what we're afraid to lose that's causing us to compromise. I remember in high school, me and my friends, we decided we weren't gonna drink alcohol. We weren't going to go to parties where there was alcohol or drugs or or sexual immorality. We had decided we were gonna stay away from that and the relationships that we would have with girlfriends, that we were gonna have boundaries and walk in purity and some people said, you guys are so legalistic. I mean, you just think you're holier than thou. And and honestly, there might have been some moments where I dealt with self-righteousness, but deep down inside, I had a conviction in my heart where I said, God, I, I don't want to compromise to fit in. I don't want to cave in just to make everybody like me. I won't bow to the fear of man. God didn't call you to be popular. He called you to be holy. He didn't call you to fit in with your culture like a chameleon, always changing colors based on the environment that you're in. One way with these friends and another way with those friends. God called you to stand out. I dare you to be a Daniel. I dare you to be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In this society, everybody bowed down. Look at verse seven. As the sound of the instruments began to play. Come on band, give me some music this morning. All of a sudden, the harp starts coming in. The zither, we don't have that this morning. The music starts playing. Everybody starts bowing. Then the music stops, and there's three guys standing, and they stood out. Everybody else is like this, but these three guys are like this. <laughs> How do you look in your company? How do you look around people that don't follow God's word? Is there anything different between the church and the world? Or is it that we just go to church on Sunday? Because if we're not putting this into practice, what are we doing here? We've gotta take the word of God and say, I can't just live the way I used to live. There's gotta be a before picture and an after picture since I've been following Jesus. Before I used to be this. I'd do whatever I wanted to do. I would give in to the flesh. I would do all that. But since I've been following Jesus, I have changed. I'm not who I was and who I am today is not who I'm always going to be. I'm becoming more like Jesus. See, these guys were able to stand because they bowed in another moment. When you bow to God privately, you can stand for God publicly. When you have a private devotion to God, you can stand publicly, even if everybody else is bowing and still have courage, no matter what may come. Their convictions superseded the consequences they would face. They knew that they would probably die. They would be thrown into the furnace. This didn't scare them because when you fear God, you fear nothing else. I wonder what pressure is trying to get you to compromise, what idols are out there trying to get you to compromise. I'll never forget when I was younger going to an LSU Arkansas football game, uh, a university football game, and, and when the music started to play, people started doing their chants. They were painting their bellies. People had paid hundreds, some thousands of dollars for the best seats in the stadium. They were shouting, lifting their hands, Pig Suey, you know, all these Razorback fans, and then you had the LSU fans, and and I thought maybe we have idol worship wrong. We think, you know, idol worship is like cannibals in some foreign land, and they're sacrificing children over a fire to some statue set up, but maybe idol worship in America is when we will give everything for entertainment. We will paint our bellies and scream and shout at a football game, and at church, will be like this. We will spend hundreds and thousands of dollars for a football game, basketball game, new TV, entertainment, whatever it is, and give nothing to God. We will memorize the stats of all the players, how many tackles they've had, how many interceptions they've had, how many touchdowns they've made. And we don't memorize anything in here. And Deuteronomy 5 says, I'll have no other God before me. There are gods at war for your heart. Make no mistake, American idols. Idols that have been lifted up saying, go ahead, you can skip God for this. You don't have to give God something, give, give it to this. We've, we've idolized food in our country. We've idolized sports in our country. We've idolized musical artists and football teams and basketball teams and politicians and ideas and, and cars and planes. And, and maybe God's saying, America, you want me to heal your land? Put me first. Look to me as the God of all hope, the God of all peace. The God who satisfies you. God is a jealous God, and that's not a bad thing. He's not jealous in the way that maybe we get jealous. He's jealous in the way that he knows the only thing that can satisfy you is when you worship him. Because when you worship things and people on this earth, they will let you down. Your kids will let you down. Your parents will let you down. Your politicians will let you down. Your business will let you down. Your money will let you down. The stock market will let you down. But God will never fail you. You wanna worship someone who will never fail you? Give your worship to God. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing out. And in verse 8, people started talking about it. People noticed. People will notice when you start standing out for Jesus. They came to King Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, long live the king. Listen, you made a decree that everybody has to bow, but there are three men that you hired that are leaders in this company, leaders in this Babylonian empire that refuse to bow down to your statues or worship your gods. They refuse to do it. And you need to make a decision today, a set of convictions, what you refuse to bow down to. You need to think about what are my convictions. In high school, I started to cave in a little bit. I started listening to music that I knew I shouldn't listen to, and somebody introduced me to a rapper named Eminem, and uh, I, I started really digging his music, and I was I was listening to it when I worked out, and then I started listening more to Linkin Park, and and I, it started changing my attitude, right? Because music can do this. When you give yourself over to something that's different you know, than God, it starts shaping your attitude. It starts shaping the way you treat people. And, and you wonder, where does all the rage come from? And you're listening to songs, it's like, crawling in my skin, these things I cannot feel. You. You're like, that sounds like devil music. It was. And I was listening to it as a pastor's son. I'm sorry, mom, please forgive me. They didn't know about it one night our youth pastor challenged all of us he challenged all of us to have a set of convictions he said we're going to do a bonfire this wednesday night at our church and you bring all your stuff and you're going to throw it in the fire because god is an all-consuming fire and if you'll let god burn away the stuff in your life that's not of him there's no fire you'll walk through that you cannot walk through because you've given everything to the all-consuming fire and so that night I decided I was bringing some music that I need to get rid of some dude was bringing some weed which was a bad idea (laughs) the youth pastor was like we're not gonna burn that we're gonna throw that away that's not going in the bonfire (laughs) some of us are waiting to set convictions in our life Some of us are waiting to set convictions in our life until somebody calls us out. But you have the word of God. And the word of God says there's there's no other God that can stand in front of God. Some of us in this room, it's hard for us to give God anything financially because we cling so tightly to our money. Money has become a God to us. We've become greedy in some way that we can't trust God with 10% of our finances. And we'll give money to Starbucks and money to football games and money to sports sports areas and, 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 and all kinds of stuff. For some of us in this room, it is kids, it is a boyfriend, a girlfriend, and maybe that person that you're with right now as a single is trying to get you to compromise your boundaries and out of fear to not lose the boyfriend, you're saying, well, I don't wanna lose him, so maybe I just need to give him what he's asking. And we have people that are literally compromising their convictions out of fear of what is gonna happen to them, who they're gonna lose. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they they were brought into Nebuchadnezzar, and it says Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come in here. And he said, is it true that you won't bow to my idols or worship the gods that I've set up? I'll give you one more chance, as if he could talk them into it. I'll give you one more chance. When the music starts to play, you better worship the idols I've set up. Because if you refuse, I will throw you into the blazing furnace. I love the response back to him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the fire, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Everybody say, he's able. able. There's nothing you go through that God can't bring you out of. God's able to deliver you, he's able to rescue you. Some of you are walking through a fire right now, you're headed into a fire, a legal situation, something in your family. You need to know God's able to deliver you. When the devil says, what God's gonna save you now? You could say, my God, my God can, and he's able. And look what they say next. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But I love this part. But even if he doesn't, We want to make it clear to you, King Nebuchadnezzar, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you've set up. I just could see it in their face, them standing there going, Nebuchadnezzar, you need to know. God can. We believe he will. But even if he doesn't, we ain't going to worship your gods. We're not going to bow down to your idols. You don't need to give us another chance. We've made up our mind. We've counted the cost. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. So you've gotta make a decision, where do you stand? These guys had a faith that was unshakable, unbreakable. Their faith was not in getting their own way. Their faith was in, even if we don't get our way, we're not gonna bow down. This is the kind of faith we need. You might say, well, that sounds like doubt. No, no, no. It's, it's actually a step further in faith. It's a stronger faith. It's an unshakable faith. It's saying, I believe that God can heal me of this sickness. I believe God will heal me of this sickness. But even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow down to the spirit of doubt, fear, sin, strife, discouragement, complaining, victim attitude, walking away from God, leaving the church because I didn't get my way. We live in a society where people don't know how to not get their way. These guys had made a decision. Even if it doesn't go our way, we're gonna be A-OK. God's with us. He's with us. We're not intimidated to stand in this country or see you as our king. We're not going to throw a fit. We're We're just gonna stand for God. We're gonna live for God. We're not going to bow down to the statues and the idols that have been set up here. You've got to make that decision in your heart. No one can make it for you. No one can control your attitude. No one can decide where you go with your life. You have to make that decision. You get what you tolerate. How long are you going to put up with those compromising standards? How long are you going to keep bowing down to that spirit of rage, that spirit of fear? Today, you need to say fear you're fired. Anger, you're fired. Compromise, you're fired. Whatever it is that's standing between you and God, today make a decision. I will only bow to King Jesus. I'm not going to bow down to the fear of man. I'm not going to bow down to the compromises that my company's trying to get me to make. And if they can get you to bend, they'll keep getting you to bend. These guys have made this decision. This is it for us. We've counted the cost. If we have to die on this hill, we're going to die on this hill. If we lose the popularity, if we lose the influence, we're still not going to bow. Lord, I pray for Christians that would have those kind of convictions. I remember praying for my dad to be healed of cancer. So many people left the church when he went on to be with the Lord because their faith was at a place where if he doesn't get healed, we're not gonna believe in this stuff. Their faith was in getting things to happen their own way. And I remember having tons of conversations with God. I finally found this place where I just go, God, I trust you, no matter what I walk through, I trust you, I'm not gonna lose my faith because something didn't go the way I wanted it to go. See, you can go through the fire. You might lose some things in the fire, but if you have Jesus, you're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. Whatever you lost in the fire, you're gonna make it. I thought I'd never survive after my father passed away. I thought, I, I, can't, I can't have peace without my dad here. I can't have joy without my dad here. And God was like, wait a minute. You have lifted your dad up as some sort of idol in your life. You've made him the reason that you have peace. And God said, remember, The Prince of Peace is still with you. The Prince of Peace has never left you. If you need someone or something to keep your joy in this life besides Jesus, you've made an idol in your life. Today, bring it to the all consuming fire. Bring that thought, bring that habit back to the fire. Say, Lord, See, if you're going to face the fires out here, you better have a fire inside of here. You need to be ablaze on the inside to handle the fires on the outside. You need to be so on fire for God, where he's burning away the chaff. He's burning away the stuff inside you that pulls you away from him. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were there, and Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with them. In verse 19, it says, his face was distorted with rage. This is what happens when you bow to anger. It changes your attitude, it changes your face. You look like someone completely different than who you are. Some of you in this room have been distorted by rage. Don't let what's going on in our country overtake your attitude and your spirit. Stay in a place of peace, stay in a place of forgiveness, stay in a place of prayer. Nebuchadnezzar lost it. He said, turn up the heat seven times hotter than usual. I wonder what's gotten turned up seven times hotter than usual in your life. I wonder where the heat's been getting turned up. And I'm not even talking about sin. I'm just talking about just life, the stress of life. The heat's getting turned up raising those kids. The heat's getting turned up working in that company. The heat's getting turned up staying married to that person. The heat's getting turned up rooming with those people. The heat's getting turned up being a single and not compromising. The heat's getting turned up being faithful in your marriage. The heat's getting turned up uh, uh, doing what you know is right to do. The devil's trying to turn up the heat, whatever he can do to get you to look the other way, to compromise. And it says, Nebuchadnezzar said, find the strongest men to bind these three men up and throw them in the blazing furnace. And so these really strong men took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, tied them up, bound them up in all their garments, and began to walk towards the fire. And because the king had heated the fire up seven times hotter, those strong soldiers died when they threw the three men into the fire. Because you can be strong on the outside, but weak on the inside. And at the same time, you can look weak on the outside and be strong on the inside. God uses the weak things in this world to confound the strong, and He uses the foolish things in this world to confound the wise. And that's good news because God wants to use you. <laughs> You're like, wait, is that an insult? The world will wonder, why why do you have so much joy? Why do you have so much peace? You're walking through the fire. You're walking through a fire. How are you able to hold it all together as a mom, as a dad, as a college student, as a single? How are you able to do this as a married couple? How are you guys making it? I mean, look all around you. And you know, deep down inside, your strength comes from the Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Isaiah 41 says he'll be with you through the fire. The flames will not scorch you. Nebuchadnezzar was watching, and the world is watching how you handle the heat. He was watching them in the fire. People are watching how you're handling the situations going on in our nation, going on on Facebook, going on at your company, going on on your campus. They're watching to see if you're going to explode or if you're going to keep your peace. He says, hold up, hold up, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Why, yes, Your Majesty, we certainly did. Look, I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. (gasps) The fire set them free. Some of us are afraid to face fires and storms, but I'm telling you. It could be that that fire, that storm, is meant to set you free. What was meant to break you is going to become your breakthrough. What was meant to shake you is going to become your breakthrough. What was meant to be your greatest test is going to become your greatest testimony. See, the devil thought he could shut the church down. These these guys represented the church. He said, oh, I got plans for the church. We're going to shut them down. We're going to put them in the furnace. We're going to take them out. But what was meant to destroy the church launched a revival in Babylon, launched a catalyst of godliness in a nation of godlessness. It's time for the church to rise up in God's love, in God's hope, in God's peace with the gospel. And it says that Nebuchadnezzar called out, you three come out of that fire. And he looked at them and their heads weren't, none of their hair was scorched. None of their clothing was scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. You're going to walk through the fire and you won't even smell like smoke. You don't realize God's with you. He's with you. Some of you are going through the fire right now and people could see it on the outside. There's a grace on you. There's a grace on you. You don't even realize it. The Holy Spirit is with you right now. In that marriage, in that family, in that situation, in that friendship, relationship, God's with you. I'll never forget, in 1991, our family went through a fire. I was six years old, 25 years ago, and woke up at 3 a.m. in the morning. My dad was shouting, get out, get out! There's a fire! I could hear the fire alarm, beep, 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 beep. And one by one, he'd say, Sarah, Ruthie, John, Sharon, get out of the house. Get out of the house. There's a fire. There's a fire. And they had all gotten out of the house. He had to get Ruthie out. And then they looked around and they realized Paul's still inside. There's Sarah, Ruthie, John, Sharon. But Paul, your youngest, he's still inside. And my mom said, Billy Joe, Billy Joe, Paul's still in there. And my dad ran back into the house, risking his life to save mine. I remember getting on my knees, crawling through the room. It was so dark. The smoke was so thick. I could feel the heat. I didn't know how close the flames were, but I could feel it. It was so hot. I still remember it to this day. I was wearing Snoopy pajamas that night. And I remember holding my door hinges, screaming, God, Daddy, save me. Somebody save me. Jesus, save me. My dad was walking through the house in the smoke, bumping into walls, running into flames. His contacts melted in his eyes. He was blind for three days. His hands, his skin was peeling off because the heat was so strong. When he grabbed the door, it ripped the skin off his hands. He's shouting, son, Paul, Paul, where are you, son? Where are you? And his hand connected with my shoulder and he lifted me off the ground, and he ran out of the house. And my mom described the events later on. She said, when you guys came running out of the house, the windows burst with flames like tongues of fire, licking the ground and coming out like this. Like several fire trucks showed up, the ambulance showed up with six body bags. They said, we thought your entire family would be dead. This is a house fire where everybody should have died, but all of us were alive. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We lost everything that night, except for our lives. There's things you'll lose in the fire, but when you have Jesus, that's all you need. Jesus plus nothing equals everything you need. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. I can't promise you that the fire won't take some things in your life at times, but it can never touch your soul when you've surrendered your life to Jesus. If I was to tell you you're never gonna experience trouble, you're never gonna experience heartache, you'll never walk through pain, I'd be lying. That was just the first fire in my life. Little did I know there'd be more fires down the road in our family, in our church, losing my father, but God has been an ever-present help in time of need. I can hear my dad shouting from heaven almost every day with the great cloud of witnesses. Don't give up. Don't give in. Give God glory. Don't give up. Don't give in. Give God glory. I think if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could preach to you today, they would say, I've been through hell, but I smell like heaven. Don't give up. Don't give in. Give God glory. I didn't come up with that quote. Somebody else did, but I like it. Some of you have been through hell, but you can smell like heaven when you surrender to Jesus. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. What's this message all about? It's about walking through the fires and the trials in this life and coming out without the smell of smoke. It's about choosing who you're gonna bow down to, what you're gonna bow down to, and refusing to bow down to anything else. It's about choosing to put God first. It's about choosing to not not let the pressure, the heat, in our culture, the heat in your family, the heat in your house, in your apartment, to overwhelm you. You can handle the heat. You can handle it. You have God. You have the Holy Spirit. You can handle whatever you're walking through, not on your own, not in your own strength, but with God. The end of the story says Nebuchadnezzar proclaimed in front of the whole kingdom, there is no God who saves, like the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar ends the chapter saying, praise be to the Lord of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's going to be people in your life that when they see your testimony, they're going to say, there has to be a God. There has to be a God. What he's done in Susie's life, what he's done in AJ's life, what he's done in Tyrone's life, what he's done in Ashley's life, what he's done in Stacy's life, what he's done in Chad's marriage, what he's done in Sharon's life, what he's done. She's walked through hell, but man, she smells like heaven. I don't know what it is. She's got joy. She's got peace. She's got an even if faith. No matter what comes my way, I refuse to bow down to whatever that is. And there's things trying to get you to bow down right now with heads bowed, eyes closed across this room. You say, Paul, I need to repent. There's things that I've been compromising in. There's attitudes that I've given into. There's that rage that I've given into. Everything that's going on. And today I need to choose To refuse to bow down to those spirits, that attitude that's against what God wants me to live like, be like across this room. Maybe there's sin. Maybe there's compromise. Maybe there's sexual sin. Whatever it is, God can set you free today. He can forgive you today. He can heal you today. He can give you a new joy, a new peace. But you've got to surrender to him. If that's you, just lift your hand across this room. You're saying, yeah, I need to surrender. I need to repent. There's areas in my life where I have been compromising attitudes, areas where I've given in to fear, worry, anger. Just raise your hand across this room today. Hands going up all over. Secondly, you say, Paul, I'm walking through the fire right now. I'm walking through the fire right now. The heat has gotten turned up seven times hotter in my life. And I need the Holy Spirit. I need God's help. If that's you, just raise your hand. Maybe you're a married couple. Maybe you're a single. Maybe you're here today all by yourself. Maybe your whole family. You're going through a legal battle. You're going through something in financially, and there's stress. God wants to help you, but you got to call on Him. you got to say, Lord, I need you. Lastly, you're here today, and you say, Paul, I'm not right with Jesus. I need to surrender to Him. I don't wanna die and spend eternity in hell. I wanna live for Jesus and spend eternity in heaven. I'm ready to surrender to God. I want him to be Lord of my life. If that's you, just lift your hand today. Don't miss this moment. We're not promised tomorrow. Right here, right now, hands going up all over the room. This is powerful, this is powerful. If you raised your hand for any of those, just leave your seat right now. Come down to this altar, meet me right here. We're gonna give a big hand clap to every man, woman, boy, girl, family. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, there's room for you at the altar today. There's grace at the altar. There's peace. Jesus. And now walk through the fire and not be burned, pray in the fight and watch it turn. Jesus, today I give it all to you. Just as AJ said earlier, you need to be convinced of the love of God, that nothing can separate you from his love. There's no fire you walk through that can separate you from the love of God. This last week, I was singing that song to my son over and over. He wanted me to keep singing it. Yes, Jesus loves me. He just wanted to hear it over and over. He said, Daddy, sing Jesus loves me again. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I know it sounds so elementary, but it is so powerful. He's going to help you. He loves you, He loves you. He loves all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. He loves us all. He's close to the brokenhearted. He's a strong tower. He's a safe refuge. This morning you can come to him, trust in him. No matter how strong you look on the outside, you got to get strong on the inside. The world says to look strong on the outside, you got to do all this pumping iron, all these things. to. Make your muscles look bigger, and it's interesting because the kingdom of God is upside down from how the world does things. To become strong in the kingdom of God, you have to come to Him weak. Paul said, In my weakness, His strength is made perfect. When I am weak, He is strong. So, when you come to God, you can't come like this, you got to come like this, Lord. I'm facing some financial difficulties. I'm facing some tough times right now. Lord, I need help. I need your strength. Those who wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. You'll mount up with wings like eagles. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. Who can compare to the Lord Almighty? God, you're so good. He loves you. He forgives you. He's not mad at you. He desires your heart. He desires your heart. He desires your obedience. He's saying, don't just let this be a good service and leave without changing. Today, decide. I'm not going to tolerate those areas in my life that I've been allowing to slide. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand. I'm going to walk in the Word of God. I'm going to live in the Word of God. I'm going to surrender to God's will for my life. And that relationship, I'm going to Live with convictions from the word of God. I'm gonna forgive. I'm gonna walk in peace. I'm gonna sow mercy. And I'm gonna stand in truth. Let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. You died on the cross for my sins. I repent of all my sins, and I receive your forgiveness. I'm all yours, God. I trust you that you are with me. You'll never leave me, never forsake me. So no matter what, I'm going to follow you. No turning back, I'm committed. Jesus, I'm all yours, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. He's going to help you. Man, I can feel today, it's a fresh start, it's a fresh grace. How many of y'all could just feel God's presence in this room? Man. Well, guys, there's people in our city that need the presence of God. So let's not keep it here. Let's take it out the walls of the church this week. Let's share the love of Jesus. We're going to have a great week this week. Thanksgiving Harvest Feast this Saturday. If you want to come serve at it Thursday at the Dream Center, you can serve out there. God bless you. Have a great week down at the altar.